This is Jim Beltman, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Hans Driver. Snyder with scores! Now it's Brett Cadell score! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! With the first overall pick in New York Riptide, I'm proud to announce Jeff Teat as our pick in the NLL 2020 draft. Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm here with my co-host Adam Moore. This is Episode 113 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, and today's episode is all about the NOL. We're going to be discussing our favorite picks as well as providing you some exclusive interviews with GMs and players who were drafted this past Thursday. Uh, but before we dive in, Adam, I want to know your thoughts on this virtual draft. Yeah, I, I thought it went really, really well. You know, Devin, um, Teddy, and Stamper really did an awesome job analyzing uh, every pick. E- even through the hiccups from the technical difficulties, they worked through those really, really well. They're all professionals uh, and did a fantastic job answering questions and really, you know, bringing the box game to a bigger audience. I think because of the downtime, I think they had a lot more viewers um, in, in from the lacrosse world that, you know, may not have uh, potentially had too much background in the box game themselves. So um, it was exciting time for the NLL, exciting time for, for that crew and, and kudos to them for doing a fantastic job. You know, I was impressed too with how they were able to get so many interviews um, with the players following that as well. Um, you know, you had live reactions for the most part to the players that were drafted, um, which I think is big, too, because you saw Steve Govett tweet out that, you know, in the past he was calling people and informing them, you know, days, even weeks after letting them know that they were drafted. Um, now for it to be instantaneous and for players to, you know, be reacting in real time, I think that's, you know, is a testament to where the league's come. You know, it's come a long way and it, it continues to grow. Um, and again, yeah, shout out to to all those guys on the broadcast, you know, to – to deal with those hiccups because it's not easy when you're live streaming an event, um, technical glitches happen and they, they rolled with the punches and they, they picked up right where they left off. And I thought they did a fantastic job as well um, for those first three rounds, which were really, really long. And, you know, the whole draft entirely, you know, went from seven to, I think, you know, seven Eastern time to past uh, definitely past midnight. Um, So yeah, again, great job for them. Um, 93 picks is a lot, 93, you know, NLL hopefuls that, uh, you know, get to get a chance to prove their worth. And we're going to talk a little bit about those picks. Uh, but we got to talk to some of the GMs that made those decisions. Um, they'll give you a little bit of insight on how they thought their draft went. Uh, so here we, we have some interviews with Riptide GM, Jim Veltman, Warriors GM, Dan Richardson, Nighthawks GM, Dan Carey, Black Wolves coaching GM, Glenn Clark, Thunderbirds owner GM, Kurt Styers, Mammoth GM, Brad Self. Form coach Ed Camo, Wings coach and GM Paul Day, Rock owner and GM Jamie Dowick, and the Calgary Roughnecks' top two picks in the draft, Tanner Cook and Harrison Matsuoka. So a lot of people right there that you get to hear from. So without further ado, let's toss it to them. I'm here with Riptide GM Jim Veltman. First, Jim, congrats on a great draft. We'll start off with the biggest news. You guys took Jeff Teat. Number one overall, I don't think it was any uh, surprise to anyone, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, making uh, that pick number one overall. And what about Jeff Teat's game ex- excites you about uh, him suiting up for the Riptide eventually? What's not to get excited about when, when you talk about Jeff Teat, he's an all-world player. We're really excited. I mean, obviously, when I took this job, one of the reasons why I took it is because uh, 
you know, he was targeted as our number one pick right off the bat. Um, it was interesting because I had maybe one GM call me about a possible trade for that number one pick. And I right away, Nick ate it right away and made it very clear that uh, we weren't interested in moving that pick at all right from the get-go. Awesome. Yeah. And then talk to me a little bit about too, uh, you know, Matt Boschnow was your uh, first pick in the second round. You actually had four picks in that round. So we'll get to the three other ones later, but uh, what about him too excites you? And uh, was he kind of, you know, obviously it was, you kind of had to play the waiting game with him to make sure he was still available. But uh, uh, when you finally found out you could land him, um, what made you pull the trigger on him? Yeah, we were kind of worried. We thought uh, Matt would go a little earlier than he did. Um, we were trying to trade up, but teams weren't budging. They wanted to hang on to their picks before we picked 17. So we were waiting patiently and um, we, we targeted uh, one of the areas of uh, our weaknesses that we feel is uh, our righty D position. So we were looking for players in that particular position. And uh, we had him ranked number one on our righty Ds. And so when he fell to 17th, we couldn't have been more overjoyed. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know. I mean, he's small in stature, but he you know plays with a big heart. Um, he's learned to play that way all his life. Uh, and another element that he brings is face-off element which really intrigued us. And he's very good at loose balls. Um, so there was a lot of parts about his game that we really liked. Awesome. And then, as I mentioned, you had three other picks. You took Ty Thompson, Andrew Bogatti, and Lars Larson Sundown. Uh, what about those three guys? You know, you took a bunch of different position groups there. Um, helped you, you know, improve going into the next season. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Bogatti was one of those picks that uh, maybe people had ranked him a little higher than what we picked him. But we kind of, again, we were targeting that righty deep position and uh, something that Andrew brings is he, he used to play out of the offensive door. So he can play both ends of the floor, which is kind of nice. So he can stay and play uh, mm -hmm. in transition, which we were targeting that area as well. Cause we want to improve in our transition game. So he brought that element. And then when Ty Thompson, again, when he was dropping and he was falling down the draft list, we were kind of surprised that he was still available. So uh, we pulled the trigger on a trade. I mean, we lost John Wagner, which we're, you know, kind of disappointed to lose. But even when I called John afterwards, I said, look, it's nothing against you at all. But teams were inquiring about you. And, and we felt that, um, you know, the value of what we would get back was just too great. So unfortunately, we did have to trade you. And so we had that conversation with John and he understood. Um, and then when we could pick up Ty Thompson, when we did, we, we pulled the trigger on that trade with Rochester where we're also getting a Jay Thornbear who we think can make our lineup and also Daryl Robertson. So we have three players that can make our lineup. We feel in Ty Thompson, Jay Thornbear and Daryl Robertson in that pick. And then Larson Sundown again is another pick that kind of fell down the list. Uh, we projected him going higher. And when he did, we kind of looked at each other and we said, you know, he's still on the board. We got to take the best available. So we took Larson. We're very happy with him. Uh, we think he brings a, another element to to what we need on offense. I mean, Jeff Teets, an all-world player. He's got good vision in that, but he's a little smaller in stature. So we needed some guys who can, you know, move bodies around and give Jeff the time and space that he needs to make plays. And then those guys have to be able to finish. You can't just move bodies and mm -hmm. be open yourself. You know, like teams will be doubling uh, Jeff a lot. So these guys have to be able to finish. So we are looking for – big bodies that could finish and Ty Thompson and Larson Sundown, they both fit that bill. Awesome. And then I, I got to talk about your fourth round pick, uh, who you're obviously very familiar with, uh, Chris Veltman. 
your son. Talk about how special it was for you to pick him and draft him on the Riptide. Uh, it was very special. I mean, uh, Chris and I have a, a, quite a bond together. Uh, I've been coaching him ever since he was four years old. So um, to see him selected, I know all the hard work and effort that he puts in. Uh, and he's still doing that. So mm-hmm. is he ready for this level? Maybe not. But what I see is as someone with potential that we can hang on to and, and that we can develop and mature uh, when he's ready. Uh, and again, he's another righty D guy uh, that can transition the ball and, and he can score in transition. He used to play offense as a kid. Mm-hmm. He's um, transitioned into a D guy, but uh, we had that special moment. Actually afterwards I called him and, you know, it was that, great father son moment that I'll never forget. It's uh, it was one of those moments that we could share and we could reflect on all the hard work that he's put in and the time and effort that we both put in, into coaching and into playing. That's awesome. And then uh, my final question is uh, one of your first GM decisions was actually the hiring of Dan Lottasaur, you know, who was a teammate of yours on the Toronto rock. So talk to me a little bit about what made Dan a good fit um, and how excited are you to be kind of reunited with him in a way with him being, you know, on the bench and uh, you being GM. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe I have to clarify the story is that I actually didn't hire Dan, actually. Okay. Dan, Dan and I were hired at the same time. Like, literally, Rich was communicating with both of us uh, about the possibility. Dan uh, was moving from an assistant position to a head position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was offered the GM position as well, but he, he felt that he wasn't quite ready to take on both mm-hmm. after being a, an assistant. So that's when Rich kind of reached out to me and said, Hey, look, uh, we're thinking about Dan for head coach, but we still need a GM. Are you interested? And when I heard his name, you know, thrown into the mix, Dan and I have a close relationship or friends even off the floor. So um, I actually, I asked Rich, is it okay if I text Dan? Cause I know. <laughs> so I did, I texted Dan. I said, Hey, do you know that I'm being considered for the GM position? And he said, uh, yeah, I know that. So that's the reason why we both, uh, we're very interested in this position because it's one of those positions that you got to kind of do a lot of collective work together. So, mm-hmm. you know, the triumvirate of uh, myself and Dan and Rich, uh, it just fit very nicely. All right. So, Dan, just to start, you entered the draft with uh, the number three pick, finally having a first rounder for the first time in six years. Uh, first, how nice was it to be able to pick in this first round? It's something that we've been waiting for since we uh, got involved with uh, Connect Sports and Entertainment and over the club. It's actually seven years since we had a pick, so so something that we were very cognizant of, and um, you know, so this is uh, the start of the third year, and uh, so our scouting staff and coaches and myself were uh, quite excited. It was like Christmas Day on uh, last Thursday that we were able to actually participate wholeheartedly in the draft. No, that's awesome. And you guys end up, you had the third pick, you trade up to the second pick, you take Reed Bowering, uh, who was your guy. So talk to me a little bit about his game and why he was the perfect fit for you guys' first selection. Well, we, we sort of got wind that uh, a couple other teams in the West were uh, inquiring with Rochester uh, to, to uh, leapfrog us at three up to two. And um, obviously that was to... <clears throat> Uh, secure the rights to Reed as well. And, and uh, we've been watching Reed for the last two years and, you know, we just really like his game. Um, you know, we sort of look at him as the next uh, you know, Alan Rogers or, or Zach Courier that can uh, play D and uh, move the ball up the floor and participate in the offensive end. And uh, uh, his uh, 
you know, leadership uh, ability on and off the floor is noted. Um, you know, and anybody that you talk to, his coaches and uh, the, the Coquitlam juniors or, or with Drexel are speak highly of this young man. And um, uh, so we, you know, uh, did what we had to do as far as the, the trade to secure the rights to, to that, that number two pick so that we could get Reed, who's obviously a local kid. Mm-hmm. on our agenda too is to you know we, we you know we asked ourselves how many times is a kid of this talent going to be available when we're picking and um mm-hmm. it doesn't happen very often so we we uh made the choice to to move up and uh, we're glad that we did no that's great that's and you nice. guys really made defense the priority you took six defenders including reed and then a goalie as well so talk to me a little bit about making defense a priority in this draft well, you know, we'd, we'd done some previous uh, trades and free agency uh, around our offense. So we were fairly comfortable. Coach Gill and his staff were fairly comfortable with our offense. And where we felt we needed to beef up was goaltending in, in our defense. And that's why you saw us stay at that end of the floor. So we now have really upped our, um, our depth in the defensive end. That's where we felt last year. When we got some injuries, um, the, the players that we had, uh, you know, there was a bit of a drop off in the talent level of, of the guys that had been hurt. So, um, you know, the the other thing to remember is we, we secured the rights to Brett Minsky mm-hmm. last year. He had to sit out a year because of firefighting. So he's like getting a second personal pick. So that's ready to go. And, uh, you know, we think that Nick Village is, is coming along nicely. And then you throw in the guys that we got in the draft. Um, you know, we think we've uh, really improved our DM. That's awesome. And then talk to me a little bit about Mateo Tack. You know, one of the five goaltenders taken in this draft. What about his game made him an obvious choice for you guys to pick him? Yeah, our uh, coaching staff, including our goalie coach, Dwight Mekti, uh, speaks very highly of Mateo. We think that uh, he's got a big upside and uh, we're going to work with him, um, you know, you know, in the off season of training camp or leading up to training camp. Um, we just think that uh, it's an untapped resource. We're going to, um, we're just getting the paperwork done. We're also going to bring in another goaltender, free agent um, uh, on top of the two that we already have. So we'll have four boys in camp. And, um, you know, Mateo's uh, got a great attitude and he's a good ball stopper. So um, we're going to, you know, see what he has in camp and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for the time. Um, and I appreciate it. Best of luck going into this upcoming season. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I appreciate you hopping on with me. It won't take too much of your time, but uh, I thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. And no worries at all. Good draft. Uh, let's start off. You guys were definitely the busiest team, I think, of the draft. Uh, you turned some picks into three already NLL players, as well as added five in the draft. Um, talk to me a little bit about that first move where you guys traded down from number two to number three, but then you acquired a second round pick as well. Um, what kind of led to that uh, decision? Uh, well, we we were pretty happy to be in the position we were going into the draft with that number two pick. Uh, a few teams had some interest in in that pick. And, you know, I believe Vancouver was was just wanting to make sure that they ended up with the guy that that they were hoping for. So 
um, it seemed to make sense. And we still ended up with Ryan Smith, who, who ultimately, you know, that was the guy that we, we were really hoping to get uh, once we, you know, kind of got deep into this draft and, and, the, and the preparation for it. So um, it seemed to make sense knowing that uh, they wanted to protect that player um, that they got, which was rebowering at, at the number two pick. And we were able to, you know, to get an additional second round pick, 28th overall, which we ended up um, using to acquire Jeff Wittig from Colorado. So mm -hmm. one of our needs was um, we felt to make our overall, our whole team deeper and, and uh, um, add some depth to our, our roster in different aspects, but de definitely on our left side offensively. And Jeff Wittig did that for us. Absolutely. So you add Wittick, uh, you also added Matt Gilray and John Wagner. Um, was that kind of your plan going into it? Or did you guys kind of, uh, you know, roll with the punches and see what was out there uh, during the draft? Well, th they were all players that we had had tried to and had been working on for weeks. Um, okay. You know, Jeff Wittig, I, I was, I was in Colorado when we brought him uh, in and Mm -hmm. And I just like his presence. He's, he's a big body that, uh, that can play a role on that left side. So we liked him. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversations throughout the process that you have and, and uh, both sides want to make sure they they're comfortable with, um, you know, the agreements. So, mm -hmm. you know, he was one. And then obviously Matt Gilray, like he, to me, he's a world-class defender and, and guy that, uh, you know, can really push the ball. So, our staff is very familiar with him. Mike Hazen and, and Matt Giles have coached him. Uh, Matt, Matt Giles coached him in junior A in Peterborough and, mm -hmm. and Mike Hazen with the, the senior team in Peterborough. So they're very familiar with him and, and how good he is. So, um, you know, in order to, to get a quality player like that, you have to give a lot up. And, you know, in order to, to make our team better, we felt, you know, with his age and, and where we're at and what our needs are, it was important to, to be able to give up our first round pick to, to acquire him. So again, the guy that we're really excited for, and it just makes our, our team a lot deeper defensively. And John Wagner, I, I've had, I don't know how many conversations over the last mm. month with, with New York. And he was a guy that we, um, we really felt would be a good fit for us. The other two, we had the agreements basically done before the draft started. Mm -hmm. And that one was, kind of pending on, on who was left for New York to pick at 25. So, um, yeah, it all played out kind of how we, how we hoped it would. And, you know, there's definitely some players that we would have loved to have more draft picks to acquire, but we, uh, we're, you know, we're happy with the guys that we were able to and, and, and the draft picks that we feel are really going to help with our competition. No, awesome. And then talk to me a little bit about, you know, Ryan Smith as well, your top pick. Uh, what did you see from his game, you know, both in uh, junior A college that kind of prompted you to take him at three overall? Um, as talented as he is, I, I, the, the thing that stands out to us the most and to me the most was his character and just the, the feedback and what you hear and how just great of a person he is. So mm -hmm. uh, we have a, what we believe, a really solid um, group of character guys in our locker room. So that was just like there was so much appeal knowing – you know, the type of person that he is. Um, and then you watch him on the floor and, and see how, you know, the dominant he can be with his size and his strength and, and scoring ability. So I, I think he's got a ton of upside. He can step in and play and contribute right away. And he's the type of player and person that I believe is going to continue to work on, on his strengths and his weaknesses and become, you know, a well-rounded player, you know, in a few years in the NLL. 
No, awesome. And then talk to me a little bit about your four other draft picks. You got Kevin Owen, uh, transition player, Jared Connors, uh, Mitch Ogilvy, and then John Vesna. Um, so you got a little bit on the defense, a little bit forwards, a uh, good mix there. What did you see from those four guys that make you excited for them to when they finally suit up for the Nighthawks? This was an interesting draft, and you, you started to see guys go early that you we may not have had on our on our depth chart as early as they went. And I'm sure the same goes for some of the players that we chose. Um, maybe you know they could have and would have been there a little bit later, but um, you know we decided to use our 19 pick and our 25 pick to acquire players, and, and ultimately the 28 for guys that you know have that NL experience, and we know what we're going to get. And the other guys, there's a lot of appeal. So um, the group that you mentioned, uh, we have, you know, there's a little bit of everything there as far as the positions. And we, we had a ton of discussion uh, about a lot of players, but those players in particular were guys that we were really hoping to get. And, you know, Owen Hill is a guy that we believe could, could really kind of step in and it might take him a little bit of time, but he uh, he's he's a very intelligent player, and I think that's going to help him succeed at this level. Uh, Jared Connors, you know, you watch him play field lacrosse, and he is a specimen. He he controls and and has such an influence in a game, and if that can translate to box lacrosse, which we believe you know the traits that he has can, and if he invests into it, then um, he'll be a scary player to play against. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it, there's a lot of appeal there. Mitch Ogilvie was was a guy that we we know fairly well and again another character player in person and he's one of those guys that just gets the job done and he he'll find a way to be successful um you know and uh they covered the first the first four right at uh, yeah yeah and, and then, then john, john and then been... john john was a guy that we we ended up um we kind of we wanted to to find a way to get him and we were considering um, with that 54 pick when we paid, when we took Mitch, we were considering John there as well. Um, I know Mike Hazen and Pat O'Toole are familiar with him from junior in Brampton. And, you know, we, we decided to, to find a way to get him and draft him. And, um, you know, I think it shows that he's a guy that we, we felt was important as well. So we, we gave up a future fifth round pick to, to acquire him with 70th overall pick. So, group of guys that again they're going to come in uh, you know our hope is to to push the players that were on our roster last year and and just become more competitive two and ten isn't acceptable for us even though we felt like we we were better than our record shows mm-hmm. um, these guys are going to come in and really push and, and make us a more competitive team no awesome and then my final question is uh talk to me a little bit about being in the the draft war room uh, how was that experience especially with the draft being virtual was it a little bit different or was it about the same it was it was different, but I think once you kind of get going and and as long as you have the information from the league, which we did, mm-hmm. you see the picks coming in, and um, you know ultimately you can't walk over to one of the other team tables, but you you find a way, and and I think mm-hmm. that's why you know we pre-draft we had a lot of our conversations um, done, and and there's not a lot of time even during a draft if you're if you're in the same room usually you have those conversations prior to, and there's times where, you know, you have to, to step away from your table to go, um, to go explore an opportunity or an option that may be there. So for us, you know, it was, it was nice to be, we were at the Blue Cross arena. Mm -hmm. We felt comfortable. We had been preparing there over the last few weeks and, um, you know, ultimately 
it worked out for us. So um, during these times, it's it's what we have to do to 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 make this work. So it seemed to work out okay. Rue was massive for us. I mean, he's somebody we've been after for a while, uh, and and the price has always been fairly high. Uh, and and to be honest, we kind of got lucky last night because there was um, there was somebody on the board at 18 that that they really wanted and um you know they had excess righties so it was one of those things where everything just kind of aligned uh and they got what they wanted and 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 we really got what we wanted so uh it it was uh it was good because we we wanted Rue to be honest for a couple years we were looking at him last year and the year before to come in as that third righty to complement with joe and callum uh, and, and I love his game. I mean, I, I, I kind of describe him as a, as a bit of a Riley O'Connor type of guy. Um, you know, maybe with a little bit, uh, a similar type player, like really active, good, good, smart player, uh, plays hard minutes all the time. Um, and is just a real good pro. So, uh, we, we were absolutely thrilled that we had the opportunity to get him. And I think with Rue and Joe and then some of those other pieces that we've got in there, uh, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be, you know, our lefties are still our lefties. Uh, and, and they're very good. And I think we're just going to have a balanced uh, attack of weapons that can hurt you all over the floor. And you took Kitchen uh, with your top pick, 24th overall. Um, you know, U.S. guy, but obviously has some box experience. Um, what kind of led to you drafting him? Well, he was – I coached him. So his box experience was with me in Toronto. Uh, he came up and played a summer of Junior A with us, with awesome. myself, Clem, and, and Mike McKay. So I, I coached him for a summer. Uh, he was playing with uh, one of our, our kids, one of our Canadian kids that was down at Delaware – and uh, so he wanted to come up and, and uh, try the box game and was very good. Um, you know, he was, to be honest, he was exceptional with our group and playing against, you know, the Ontario Junior A League produces some of the, you know, the best players and the, and the toughest competition for that age group um, for these guys. And he was outstanding. So to be honest, that trade we made earlier with New York to get the 18th pick, that had everything to do with getting Charlie Kitchen. And in fact, nobody knows this, but part of that trade was uh, New York kept the 17th pick, but we had uh, exclusion where they couldn't take Kitchen. So that's how much we wanted him. And uh, that was our plan all along was to take him with the 18th pick. And then what happened was as the board changed and Colorado wanted to get the 18th pick, we started looking at what was after that and who was going to take what. And in our minds, it became pretty, we were pretty confident that he was going to bounce to 24. So in our minds with the 18th and the 33rd pick, we got Kitchen and Rue and we were going to take Kitchen at 18 anyway. So it couldn't have – the way it turned out for us was, was absolutely perfect. You know, we, we really wanted Kitchen, and we really think he's going to be a good NLL player, but he isn't available until the following year. And we thought that getting Rue 
um, w- was very important because we, you know, you, you're always taking care of the, the here and the now and the future and, and the challenge is trying to balance those two. So, uh, we, we, we thought it lined up very well for us. We could, to be honest, we couldn't be happier. So we got Rue, we got kitchen and that's really what we wanted out of this draft and Sours and Ament were two guys we had ranked actually quite high and didn't think they would be in the mix because we didn't go to like 41 and 65 and whatever it was. Um, but they ended up both being there too. So uh, we were uh, we were pretty happy with the way it all shook down, to be honest. Good. And then is Ament, uh, has he given any inclination whether he's going to, to show for, for training to see, to see if he can make the roster? Uh, we, I spoke to him today. I uh, had a good conversation with him today and he, uh, is certainly interested, certainly intrigued. Uh, we're going to follow up. I mean, he was saying he wants to talk to his family, talk to some different things, um, you know, and see how much he wants to dive into the indoor game, but he certainly sounded intrigued. Uh, there was no guarantees attached to the conversation. But uh, he's, he's an exciting prospect, and he was one of those guys we looked at and thought uh, watching his outdoor game uh, had some very good transferable skills to the indoor game. So, um, you know, we're excited about what that looks like as a prospect. Uh, you know, we're, we're not border-specific when we evaluate talent. Like, we, we look at what we like and what we think is good, um, you know, Charlie Kitchen, obviously we had a sample size with him in the beach and really liked his game and thought uh, it would transfer to the NOL. Uh, so, you know, we had him on our radar. Uh, we liked Sowers and Ament, and they just, when those picks became available, we just thought they were the best options for us. So um, I think some of it is coincidental. Some of it is... You know, we're, we're not locked into uh, a border-specific pick. I mean, we, we, we like what we like, and we're not concerned whether it's, um, you know, U.S., Canada. Like, we, we don't really – it's not really a factor for us. So, I, I think it's probably just as simple as that. We just kind of – we like what we like, and if it's there, we take it. So, following up on that, um, Glenn, just a little bit t- – tell us a little bit, too – like, did you guys have conversations about maybe taking players that would be available uh, this coming season? Or, you know, obviously you guys had the best record in the league last year. So um, were you comfortable going into the season saying, hey, we're going to get some prospects that we know will pan out in two years, but right now we feel comfortable with the roster we have? Yeah, no, the conversation was, um, as it played out, was exactly what we wanted to do. So we, we definitely wanted to get, I mean, Charlie Kitchen was a big target for us. We wanted him. Uh, But we also wanted an offensive righty. Uh, And Rue was one of three guys currently playing that that we wanted. So we thought we needed um, a proven, you know, veteran NLL guy that could support Joe on the right side in particular, but the rest of our offensive group, just to give them a little bit more depth. Cause we have some exciting young guys. we got Tanner Thompson. We signed Jules Hennenberg, Brad Smith. We still have Davey Amala. 
you know, we, we've got some pieces there, but we wanted some, some sort of proven and veteran help, um, you know, to, to support Joe and then have those guys fill in around that. So, uh, no, we, we, we wanted to add to that, which, you know, Rue was exactly not only the player we wanted, but the type of player we wanted. I, I got to bring up a little bit too about Jamison. You know, obviously you, you re-sign him. Um, you know, I know Halifax was interested. Uh, how big is it to have, you know, the NLL reigning NLL goaltender of the year back on your roster um, after, you know, that what was a, you know, kind of a little bit of a crazy free agency period? Well, goaltending's big in this league. So, you know, there's probably, you know, I don't, I don't know if you look around six or seven goalies that, you know, you, you, you know, teams are comfortable winning with, uh, and we have one of them. So, you know, you, you certainly want to be comfortable in your goaltending position and you want to be in a position where you've got one of those guys so we've got one of those guys um, so that, you know, that gives you confidence that you're in a position to win. Yeah, we're pretty excited about tonight. You know, we, we come in looking to get better, and I, I really believe we got better. We're picking up Riggs and Tyson Bell, Tara Franco. Uh, really excited about those picks. You know, we're very happy that Riggs was still there. You know, I think if they played the summer ball, I really believe that he would have been People would have had a better look at him, and he would have probably went a lot higher. Tyson Bell's a great, great player. And, and when you have a chance to get somebody of that caliber, it's always best. You know, you got to do what you have to do to get him. And we're fortunate enough that we found a, we had the right pieces that Calgary needed, and we're very thankful that we were able to get it done. Thank you for hopping on. Won't take too much of your time. Uh, congrats, too, on a, a great draft in the 2020 draft. You guys drafted 11 players total. Um, let's talk first off with drafting Ron John. You guys traded Jacob Rue in order to acquire that 18th pick. You collected Ron John at that 18th pick in the second round. Uh, what made you trade up to get him? Ron was a guy that we had ranked much higher than 18th. Um, and... Well, you know, we had been in contact with New England for a little bit leading up to the draft and during the draft, um, and they had interest in Jacob. Um, and, you know, he's someone that was a real important part of our team and had been for a while, and um, it wasn't an easy decision, but um, given the fact that we had added Tyler Giggs last year and mm-hmm. the growth and development of Ryan Lee and then, uh, again, adding Zed Williams in the off season, there, you know, we had, we had real good depth to the right side. And, and you know, again, for the fact that, um, we had Ron John rank so high, uh, was a player that we felt we could play all over the floor. Um, you know, we'll put him at the back door on D, but he has the ability to stay and play all um, on the offensive side and, and also on our ball team. So, again, a lot of different factors played a part in that. And, um, yeah, we're excited to add a player of his caliber. And although he's going back to school at University of Albany, we may not see him for a couple of years. We're, we're real excited about adding him to our organization. Yeah, no, he was projected to possibly go in the first round. So you guys definitely, you know, landed a, a top talent. Um, you guys weren't done adding that second round either. You had five picks total in that round. You also added uh, Brett McIntyre, uh, Jordan Trottier, Trottier uh, Jalen uh, Ch- Chaster, and Tyler Scavore. Uh, talk to me a little bit about adding those four guys in the second round. 
Yeah, I mean, Brett, I mean, actually a part of the the Ron John deal was the fact that, uh, you know, Brett was still available. He, he uh, just like Ron, were two players we had ranked in our first round. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, still uncertain, obviously four picks later from 18 to 22, but um, we were confident uh, with, with Patrick Dodd still being on the board that, we were going to get uh, what we felt was Brett McIntyre at 22 and losing Jacob to add uh, Ron John, but knowing that uh, more than likely we were going to be able to add a righty of Brett's caliber who we had ranked in the first round mm-hmm. uh, was real exciting for us. And some of them was again, real high on our uh, draft rankings in the first round. So, um, you know, we're real excited about adding him to our team again, another player that's gone back to school that we may not see for a couple of years, but um, somebody that, um, our entire coaching staff was high on and um, are excited to see in our lineup and someone that's going to create offense for us. So um, that was an important part of, of the being able to, you know, trade Jacob for Ron, knowing that um, we were, we were thinking that we were going to be able to get Brett McIntyre at 22. So, um, and then after that, uh, Jordan Trachi, the guy that our uh, head coach, um, Pat Coyle and assistant GM was real high on. Um, having played against him or his team played against his team in, uh, you know, the BC Junior League, mm-hmm. um, you know, with a big, strong, physical guy played with an edge. And um, it's kind of the direction we, we, we're, you know, we've gone in the last, I guess, the last two drafts when possible. And, and uh, again, another big, strong, physical guy that's going to come in and compete for a spot um, on our back end. And, you know, we, we liked his character and we liked his play. Uh, from there, Jalen Chaster was somebody that, again, played for Packwell and Jason Bishop, who's our Western mm-hmm. scout. Um, they couldn't say a bad thing about him as far as personality, character, but also as a player. Um, not, you know, as big and physical as Jordan, but somebody that, um, you know, from defense to offense to loose balls to high lacrosse IQ, they couldn't say a bad thing about him and just said that good things happen around him. So, you know, that was important for us to add someone like that. Again, we like his versatility and the ability uh, that, you know, that he has. You know, he's, he's somebody that will go at the back door for us. But, again, they're some a player that played a uh, majority of his youth as a offensive player and, and feel confident that he could go ahead and contribute on the offensive side of the ball. So that's exciting. And then Tyler Sevier is a kid that has played for our assistant coach, Andy McBride. Um, who speaks real highly about and, and is, you know, a, a defensive first type of player, big, strong, physical. And um, honestly, every single person that we talked to with Tyler uh, didn't have a bad thing to say about him um, personally. And also it's it just about his character and, and how he prepares and trains and approaches the game. And, um, you know, again, we're, we're excited when we can add kids or, or people like that, especially when they haven't played professionally yet. Um, knowing that they're going to come in and, and adjust to that side of things immediately. Um, so, again, we, we, we're real excited about the, the five players we added in our second rounds. You know, and then, in, you, like I mentioned, you added 11 total. In later rounds, you added uh, three Americans in Paz Landian, uh, Jared Bernhardt and Peter Durth. Uh, talk to me about their game and what have you seen from their field game that makes you think that they can uh, excel in the box game? I mean, I'll talk about Pat and Peter. Uh, I think, you know, when we, we watch, um, you know, the U.S. field players, um, I think there has been, and we've brought in guys in the past who are long sticks, uh, long poles, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. who are who are high-end guys. 
um, but it has been noticeable. Um, the the transition from a long pole to a short stick um, in training camp that it hasn't been an easy transition for those players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've kind of focused our attention on the short stick. The middies who who are already used to using a short stick were playing on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat for us uh, wasn't necessarily on our radar until the MLL season happened and. Um, somebody that continually just stood out uh, every game that we watched, and he wasn't somebody that we were um, kind of keying in on. And, and mm-hmm. you know, after every game, we'd have takeaways. And be like, man, the Athlanian kid just played great D, was hard on the ball, played hard. Uh, when he got it, he made right, took the right plays. Um, he has a background in basketball, um, so he, he, although you know the field across game is different on the defensive side of the ball, he's familiar with switching off picks communicating mm-hmm. picks um so that was something that stood out to us when we talked to him um and someone who expressed interest in playing box uh it's also important for us right so mm-hmm. um and peter was somebody who we, we started talking to late um didn't have a ton of communication with uh um again he's at syracuse so we didn't get to watch him play pro but uh was the second team all-american as a short stick d midi uh clearly someone who's big strong physical and athletic um so again those were those were keys to and express interest in in in, in playing box across so um you know he helped Syracuse uh, be one of the top nationally ranked teams right so that yep. uh, was a big part of their success this past season so um you know we're, again he's not coming for a couple of years um but excited to, to to see him come to camp and compete for a job in a couple of years you know, and then uh, talk to me, uh, moving away from the draft a little bit, talk to me. Uh, you mentioned the addition of Zed Williams. You also added Connor Robinson this offseason. Uh, what about these two guys excites you that they're going to be in the Mammoth uniform next season? Yeah, I mean, for different reasons. Uh, I guess different and similar reasons. I mean, both were high draft picks. Um, mm-hmm. One, two years ago, one, maybe three years ago. Um, certainly Zed, right? Um, it's hard not to, to be excited about him, you know, um, again, our season gets cut short, and he was having a, a really good one, but playing still not not top minutes, uh, given that he was in Georgia and with Lyle Thompson and Randy there. Mm-hmm. Um, still wasn't as playing as much as he will with us, and then, you know, you know, we make that deal. Yeah, it wasn't an easy one, um, you know, when you have to give up your captain, um, but an area of need for us on the offensive side of the ball. And then he goes and does what he does for the PLO. So, mm-hmm. um, and he plays top minutes. So I think, you know, everyone's capable or was able to see what he's capable of. And um, like I said, he's going to get uh, increased minutes um, on our team this season. And, um, you know, we're, it's hard not to be excited about all the things that he has to offer in terms of size, skill set, compete level ability play within an offense so all those things were important and the reasons why we went and uh pursued him uh and for connor robinson uh maybe not as dynamic a player but was a top five pick in his draft year somebody that we've been uh high on for a while heard nothing but great things from people that are playing with against or with him in the summertime he's somebody that put up points um all throughout his junior career and in his first two years of uh senior lacrosse out in uh, BC, um, somebody who's you know can play with the ball without it. He's not quite as tall as Zed, but he's also physically strong. So mm-hmm. again, another important part of kind of the direction we want to go in is getting a little bit bigger and stronger. And 
Um, I think, uh, again, given the fact that he's going to get, you know, he's going to get more minutes with us, um, I think uh, people are going to be pleasantly surprised at uh, how good the player Connor is. You know, I think that's great. I think you guys had an excellent draft, a uh, good off season. We're looking forward to seeing you guys hitting the floor this upcoming season. Brad, thank you for your time, and uh, best of luck going forward. No problem. Thank you. We're here with Ed Camo, head coach of the Georgia Swarm. Ed, let's start off with the first round. You guys had four picks in the first round, and you addressed, addressed quite a few areas. Uh, talk to us about the picks of Robert Hudson, Jeff Heinrich, and Ethan Walker. John's done a great job over the last number of years, and, and not just this past year really being able to uh, stockpile some first round draft picks. So to be able to have four draft picks in the first round is exceptional. And we're very pleased with that. And we knew based on the, the caliber of players that were available this year, we were going to get several very good players. So pretty exciting draft for us this year. Uh, R- Robert Hudson is a guy that we can use right away. Uh, we, we did lose some uh, defensive players this year with uh, uh, Brendan Bomberry is going to be moving up to the front door and um, Jason Noble being traded and Alex Krepensek leaving and Lil Storos being traded. Uh, so th- there's a number of picks uh, that we, we needed to address the defensive end. So certainly uh, we've got some guys that are waiting in the wings last year. We had Casey Tarbell, Ryan McSpadgen, and uh, we have TJ Camisio. So you know, we expect those guys to battle, but we certainly wanted some uh, young guys to come in the roster as well. So Robert Hudson's a guy who can, who can really fill that spot right away and, and he's ready for us now and ready to play. Um, so he's, he's really excited. We were very happy to get him. And then our next pick uh, uh, Heinrich getting him at eight was a, really a shock to us. We, we never thought he'd fall that low, but I think some teams have that situation where they need a player immediately. And, and we were able to, we were able to look at some other picks and say, Hey, let's build for the future. And, and he's, he's a leader on every team he's been on. He's been a captain. Real excited to have him, uh, that, you know, down the road for us. And then uh, Ethan Walker, uh, another guy who's finishing his college eligibility, but certainly a, a left-handed goal scorer, offensive player, someone that uh, every, every team loves to build and have depth at the left side. So that's something that we thought was really important, especially for the future for us. So, uh, and then with our last pick, we, we picked uh, a goalie, Lane Hreska, out of Saskatchewan. Uh, really big upside to him, uh, really committed, came last winter to play in the ALL in Ontario. So we know he's really committed to, to playing and improving. And so, yeah, we were very happy with our picks and very excited to, uh, to look forward to getting the season going and getting to see these guys out there with us. Yeah, that's really exciting. And let, let's talk a little bit more about Lane, you know. What is it going to mean for his development to, to sit behind a guy like Pooley uh, and learn from such a, a chisel veteran? Well, that's one of the real things in this league. It's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the unwritten rule is uh, that when you came into the league, you had a veteran guy help you develop. And then when you become a veteran guy, you help young guys develop. And, 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 I, and I would say the majority of our players in our league follow that. I think there's some that are a little too protective maybe of their, uh, their own domain, that they're not that interested in helping others. But Mike Poulins uh, had great mentors, uh, you know, uh, Bob Watson, Anthony Cosmo, and, and uh, you know, a number of others. And, and he's really embodied that to say, hey, I'm going to help. I'm going to help the guys that are, are eventually going to take my spot. And, and he knows that. And, and, you know, whether that's, you know, because Mike retires and he gets older or, or you know, the other guys start to play really well, uh, you know, Mike knows that's part of the game. Sure. But 
uh, I think for Lane, he's, he's very fortunate to have that and uh, he's, he's going to benefit from it. And, and, you know, we also have Kevin Orleman on our roster and, and Kevin's another guy who under, you know, he's, he's benefited from getting help from Mike and others, and, and he's going to share his experience as well as a backup. So I think it's a, it's a great situation for Lane, you know, maybe not necessarily looking for him to come into play right away, but knowing that uh, we, we have some depth there and, and certainly uh, I think everyone, you know, felt he was the number one uh, goalie in the draft. Absolutely. And then, you know, some other guys that you drafted in Sam Firth and Tanner Baca, two lefties um, that are able to eligible to play this upcoming season as well. What did you see from them that made you uh, select them? Well, I think Sam is uh, Sam's a goal scorer and he's, I think he said it in his interview when uh, he learned what a lot of players have to learn when they go to the pro level is that uh, when he went from junior B to junior A, he learned the importance of playing without the ball and the stick. And, and that's something that's, really critical when you get to the pro level uh you know if you know you come to georgia swarm if you expect you're going to have the ball in your stick more than randy stocks shane jackson and lyle thompson then you're you know you're in for a, a real disappointment so I, I think he's got the right mindset and uh he, he's had success he had you know put a lot of points up in junior b and then uh was a real real good addition to orangeville last year helping them win a minto and i think tanner buck is from you know, John really, uh, John Arlotta really liked Tanner and uh, really likes his compete level. And I'm you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but battles really hard. And, and we really want guys to come into camp and, and we want to, we want to, you know, ha have a camp where it's open for guys like that to battle for a spot and whether it's you know, a roster spot, which is you know tough on our team, but certainly a practice roster spot. And, and uh, we, you know, we, we say to guys, when you come to a pro camp, it's an opportunity, you know, not just to, not just to come to the camp, uh, but every, you know, even if you get released from a team, every general manager in the league sees that correspondence. So your name's out there. So it's a great opportunity for these young guys to come in and really try to earn themselves a, a spot for the future. That's awesome. And, you know, kind of going off of that, two guys that hopefully will be looking to earn a spot uh, this potential season is two more guys that will be eligible to play in Americans, Miles Silva and Reese Eddy. You've had tons of success with Americans kind of transitioning from the uh, field to the box game, guys like Joel White, Matt Dunn. What really enticed you about their game and potential? Well, I think John uh, Arlotta does a lot of homework on on guys, and and you know that homework includes talking to their college coaches, talking to teammates, talking to people that have played against them that you know we have relationships with. So there was definitely uh, with, with Matt, there was definitely uh, a, a lot of interest in in his ability and again his compete level. And, uh, we, you know, we know he has a commitment uh, through the through the armed services. So that's that's something that he's you know, we, we've got to work out with him. But uh, we certainly hope uh, we can have an opportunity to have him come to camp and and compete. And uh, again, John, uh, you know, one of our one of the mottos and the really driving force behind the swarm is uh, we say it takes it takes talent to play in the NLL, but it takes character to play for the Swarm. And that's something that John uh, does a lot of work and, and we vet, uh, we really vet our, our draft picks to make sure that we have character guys and, and Matt fills that role. And, and uh, I think Reese, uh, Reese really impressed us watching the PLL and uh, you know, we don't get to watch tons of college across. We have some people watching for us, but certainly uh, he, he did a great job stepping in playing against some top level players and, um, you know, the challenge is always whether a guy can, uh, a guy can transition 
from the field game to the box game. But uh, as you said, uh, there's lots of examples in our league of guys that have, especially out the D door and, and, uh, you know, we think Reese has got a chance to, to come in and, and, you know, really try to earn a spot. And, and uh, it, it is tough, though. I mean, you know, the, the odds are always stacked against those guys just because of our, the makeup of our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we like to think they come to camp, they get to work with some really great players. We try to give them some good direction. And, and you know, a great example is uh, Isaiah Davis Allen. He was at our camp a couple of years ago. And we really liked Isaiah. We thought he was a great player. He just didn't quite fit in at that point based on our numbers. And, but, uh, you know, the experience he got and, and uh, he was able to turn that into a starting position in Philly. So we love to see that. And, and, you know, we, as much as when we draft guys, we want them to, to, you know, play with us and finish their careers with us. We also know that sometimes guys end up on other teams and, you know, no different than guys that other teams draft will end up on our team. So it's, uh, but we're, you know, we're happy to see those guys and, and we definitely want to see more, uh, American uh, players coming through the college ranks, whether they have box experience, which is great through the collegiate box leagues, or or whether they come and do some on-the-job training. But uh, certainly it's great to see. And, and I have to say the attitude and the work ethic of, of many of the American players we draft is just phenomenal. They want to learn, and they, they really want to get better. And that's uh, as a coach, that's really what, what you want to hear and, and what you love about your players. No, that's great. And then just moving on from the draft for a little bit, I have to talk about you. You traded Zed Williams to the Mammoth and acquired, you know, their former captain, Dan Coates. Talk to us about making that move and acquiring Coates this offseason and how he's going to fit into the Swarm team. Dan Coates, i fortunate enough that I coached him as an assistant coach when I was in Colorado and then uh, worked with him with Team Canada. And uh, we, we last year during the season, uh, before it was interrupted, we, we kind of talked about what we might have been missing out, out to the end. And part of it was a little bit of intensity and and uh, not necessarily toughness, but just intensity and grit. And, and Dan Coates is a guy that brings that. He's been a leader on every team he's been on. Um, in fact, when we, we drafted him in Colorado, I remember Bob Hamley saying at the time, he'll be a future captain of the Mammoth. And, and he was right. And, so, you know, we bring in a guy, not, not only does he bring intensity and grit um, and focus, very serious guy when the, when the whistle starts, he's real serious. Uh, but also we, we bring in a leader as well. We've named him an assistant captain to take, uh, take the role that was opened up when, when Jason Noble was traded. But, um, yeah, it was tough to trade Zed. We, we really love Zed, and Zed really was developing into a great player. And we think he's going to have a – a spectacular career and we're, we're nervous if our schedule shows Colorado on it because we know we know how much damage he can do and I feel bad for the western teams that have to face him now but uh but uh we sometimes to get a good player you got to give up a good player and that was kind of the mentality of, of that and and real happy to have coach and he fits in right away knows a lot of our guys is already talking to the coaches talking to the players and real happy to get him and looking forward to having him part of the 2021 swamp. Hey, Coach Day, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. Um, again, congrats on a great draft. Uh, let's start with your first pick, defender Jackson Subak, a member of UMass and Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. What made him the right choice in that first round? Being in Philadelphia, we like big physical uh, players. Um, you know, our first year as an expansion team, we were kind of a, a real fast transitional team. And then last year we added some, you know, some guys uh, like Ian Lord, um, you know, players with size. And then this summer we've added uh, Brock Sorensen and Alex Krapensek, 
you know, guys around 30 were top three in defense last year, but we we're average age 25. So one of the things in the offseason we wanted to do was add some size, uh, some more some more veterans, and we were able to do that. And, uh, you know, at that pick in the draft, he was the best player available, and I think he fits into where we want to be in the future. He's a big physical defenseman, but he also has really good feet. Uh, obviously, four-year starter at UMass. Has a long pull, so, you know, he has great feet. And uh, his compete level is great. He, uh, in the past, you know, I watched him in the Minnow Cup fight some pretty tough guys, and uh, nothing wrong with some toughness in Philadelphia. We really like that. No, absolutely. And then uh, leading up to your second round, you had uh, back-to-back picks. You took Brian Costabile and Dylan Folds. Costabile doesn't have any box experience, but uh, he made his debut with the PLL and can play this upcoming season when it uh, occurs. And then Folds is returning to Penn State for another year. But uh, talk to me a little bit about drafting these two players. Well, I think Brian, obviously, uh, his upside for the box game could be huge. He's uh, big, fast, strong, can shoot the ball as well. Um, And we wanted to add some speed. Uh, He's working in Baltimore at Under Armour. Uh, He's got a great job there. And if we can, uh, if it all works out, I mean, we would be the closest team and the best fit for his, his career choice right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, work Monday to Friday, like everybody else. And then come in Friday night and practice and spend the weekend playing pro lacrosse and what a great market he'll fit in great. Um, and then Dylan, you know, had a great junior career at West, um, had an excellent Minnow cup against Dan T. Uh, when Coquitlam won the man, uh, sorry, the Minto cup in, uh, 2018. And, uh, you know, looking to the future, Dallas's, uh, Dallas Fort Worth expansion next year. You know, we can only draft, only protect five offensive players. So he's a good kid that could step in and play right away. Obviously had a pretty good career so far at Penn State, one year older, and it's nice. He's a, it's not like he's a 21-year-old. We like kind of older players that have played against men before, and uh, he could f- step in and play right away and, and be a contributor next year and also, you know, not have to be a number one guy and come in and get his feet wet with some pretty good offensive players around him. And he knows the box game and – uh his girlfriend's from Philly, so it's a perfect fit for him. Now, yeah, we like to see that he, he has a, a girlfriend. I know he went viral when that one Penn State game uh, said he was looking for one. Um, you know, and it's good, too. I, I think it's important that you guys are kind of thinking ahead, too, with this expansion draft that is coming up. Uh, you took another forward in Ben French, uh, who plays for Vermont in the Coburg Kodiaks. Talk to me a little bit about him uh, and what you see, uh, how you see him fitting into this Wings offense. Yeah, I think we, you know, we, A, we wanted to pick, we wanted to get some, some young defensemen. B, we wanted to get some speed and transition. And then we wanted to get a left and a right for depth. And, uh, you know, we know that the league's expanding over the next couple of years. So, you know, Ben went to IMG, became, uh, you know, a pretty good athlete at IMG, automatic success at Vermont. And, uh, you know, I watched him in our league last year against men. Um, in major series across here in Ontario and he had a good year and uh, competed every night and, you know, had to travel to games in Coburg and, uh, you know, play on a young team and he did really well. And uh, now he's at Tampa getting his MBA and it's another, you know, he'll be 23, 24 years old and he could be a good fit for us. Um, He knows the box game and uh, another year at Tampa, you know, he gets to be, spend another year playing lacrosse and getting bigger, stronger, and faster. And, 
you know, really out of the draft, if we could lose one forward, you know, we, we want to make sure we have some depth at the left and right position. And that makes sense. And then you had four uh, final picks. Uh, three of those picks were Johns Hopkins Blue Jays uh, in Mark Pion, Jack Rapine, and Cole Williams. Uh, was that kind of the plan, or did it kind of just work out that way? Uh, you know, we talked to them quite a bit before the draft. Um, we have great connection with uh, Johns Hopkins, our assistant general manager, Joe Carlini, in Philadelphia. He, you know, he was a four-year starter at, uh, mm-hmm. at Hopkins, so, uh, you know, he knows the players. Uh, Pion is good friends with Steph Charbonneau. He's another guy who went to IMG. You know, he's from Montreal. He's from Quebec. Um, went to Harvard and then, you know, played at Johns Hopkins. He's living in Baltimore, so it's a good fit for us. He knows the box game and another guy who can grow with, with the group and play this year. Uh, and then Jack lives in Philly, um, mm-hmm. played in the PLL. We like his physicality. Um, and... You know, I think he fits into the box game real well with his physicality. And then Cole, John Grant, uh, I've known John his whole life, so he reached out to Tracy Kluski and myself about Cole. He's a captain, six foot five lefty, he shoots the ball well overhand, which is great for the indoor game. And I mean, he could be a sleeper pick down the road here. Uh, great leader in Johns Hopkins and uh, another guy that, you know, hey, listen, it's, it's, it's an easy commute from Baltimore to Philadelphia, and uh, we've got guys like uh, Davis, Isaiah Davis Allen already doing it successfully for us. No, absolutely. And then I, I, before we end, I, I want to move away from the draft a little bit and talk about your big offseason acquisition in Ben McIntosh. Uh, you trade for him. Uh, he'll be coming from the rush now, playing in Philly where he lives. Uh, talk to me about adding a guy like Ben McIntosh to this roster. Yeah, I mean, we're fortunate that he lives there. If he didn't live in Philly, and uh, there's not a chance we'd be able to acquire him. So we're fortunate that he's going to marry a girl from Philly. And, uh, I mean, he, you know, to us, he's a top three right in the game. Uh, he doesn't have to have the ball in his stick to be successful, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, he does all the little things well. He's a great leader. Uh, he can score from the outside, inside. You know, he's 29 years old. If you look at the the top point getters in this league you know, over the last 10 years are always in that 28 to 32 year old range. I mean, he's in the prime of his career and very, very fortunate. His compete levels, you know, outdoes his skill level, which is, which is fantastic for us. The people in Philly will love him. We didn't want to lose a guy like Josh Kerr, but you know, I think it, it, you had to give up something really, really good to get it. Um, that being said, we need to improve our power play and, Signing Corey Small really helps that. Smalls is a great shooter mm-hmm. on the power plate, but also a great feeder. And that lefty-righty combination should really help us on our power play. And, uh, uh, you know, we're really excited to have both of those offensive players with us, that's for sure. No, that's great. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this off season and going into next season. Hey, anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Jamie, thank you for joining me. And let's dive right into your first pick in the draft. Um, you take T.D. Erlin, uh, you know, in that second round, talented face-off specialist out of Yale who you guys think can thrive in the box game. What made him a good pick in that second round? Well, it was, I think we think he was a good pick for multiple reasons, really. I mean, number one, uh, you know, we feel like not that there's, there's not a spot for him necessarily now, but we feel like our team's pretty deep. So, mm-hmm. um the, the, the concept of this year and someone being able to go back to school 
and then join us next year was appealing to us. But, I mean, you know, we've been looking for a face-off guy for a while. Um, you know, we actually came pretty close with someone last year that ended up going somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's been something on our radar, something, an area I think we've, we were able to improve at. So, uh, you know, with the makeup of our team, we felt like, uh, you know, we feel like he's, he's the best face-off guy in the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we, we didn't know going into the draft what, what his NLL aspirations were, but, we just figured it was worth, you know, were worth the uh, potential high reward in, in making a pick like that. So, uh, you know, that that's why we did it. Um, you know, I spoke to him very briefly uh, following the draft because, you know, I can't really talk to him too much right now. I don't want to with them at school and this and that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he seemed very excited about, uh, you know, being drafted by the team and, potential playing in the NOL. So that was even more exciting news for us the following day there with him. No, that's great. And then, you know, followed up with that pick with Phil Mazuka, a transition player. Um, talk to me a little bit about his game and why he made sense in that third round. Well, kind of along the same lines of looking more down the road than right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Phil's a kid that, that I'm very familiar with. I've watched him play since he was uh, – probably a tyke and um you know he declared early for the draft he's still in school up here in canada western and you know with his school load i you know i don't think he's got immediate uh you know desire to be to try and play right away which i also don't think he's really quite ready for Mm -hmm. having said that you know a year or two from now um, you know, if he came out with his normal class, I think he'd be a first round pick and, and, you know, picks that we've traded away to acquire some players. So, um, that was, that was another, you know, all our picks really this year were kind of more for down the road. Um, not to say some of the other guys we drafted later on might not come in and, and earn themselves a spot. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about some of those later round draft picks. Uh, with the exception of Scott Delzato, you guys were very defensive ho- focused. Talk to me about these three defenders that you took in these later rounds. Yeah, well, um, so in the third round, we took uh, Chris Weir, uh, Weir, sorry. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, Bruce, uh, our defensive coordinator and our assistant GM is very familiar with. Uh, you know, an Orangeville kid that, you know, played for Orangeville that, pretty well played junior B his whole way up uh, for whatever reasons. And, and, and then in his final year, uh, I think he still played junior B, but Bruce called him up for the Minto and made quite an impression on him. So um, we were surprised he was there. We were actually looking at him at 30 when we took TD. So uh, we were really surprised to see him there in the, in the fourth round uh, when we took him. So we were, you know, and I think he might, Bruce thinks he might surprise a few people. So that, that, that's a potential for now pick. Uh, same thing with Curtis, uh, you know, another kid he's familiar with come in. These kids, these kids are in tough to find a spot with us just because of our depth right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, another kid that'll come in and get, be given an opportunity and, and see what he can do with uh, Scotty Delzato. I've known for a long time, you know, 
some depth up front. He'll come in and compete, and he can put the ball in the net. And we felt like in the fifth round, you know, based on talent, he shouldn't have been on the board. So uh, that was our move there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we followed it. Final pick was Daniel um, Balivator and, uh, you know, uh, a face-off guy uh, from Mimico. You know, uh, a big boy, he'll definitely be able to handle himself size-wise in the NOL. And, you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, give these kids an opportunity um, to come in and, and see what they can do um, and try and earn a spot. No, that's awesome. And then, you know, you talk about your depth on your team right now. You guys made a lot of big signings this offseason. You, you re-signed a lot of players, uh, including, you know, the three big ones, I would say, would be Rob Hellier to a three-year contract, uh, Brad Creed to a five-year extension, and then Challen Rogers to that big 10-year deal. And then you added Mitch Desnu and Jason Noble also in some trades. Talk to me a little bit about your guys' plan this offseason and, you know, what you guys, uh, what your outlook is going into this upcoming season. Yeah, well, for for – mostly, you know, there was, because of the way the contracts work in our league, uh, you know, I had a million guys that were up. That doesn't mean they were unrestricted free agents or things like this, but, you know, there was a lot of guys internally that I needed to uh, redo contracts for. So um, that was definitely a focus. Um, my, you know, my other focus was, you know, to try and go out and, and add a couple premier defenders, um, you know, through trades and sacrifice those first round picks in the future uh, to do that. But I feel like, you know, we got two stud defenders uh, in return that are both in the prime of their career and are going to be here for the, you know, a long time uh, in the future. So, you know, that would, that was, uh, that was huge. And then, you know, you got to remember for us, not only adding Mitch and Jason, but last year, you know, Latrell Harris played half a game. Mm -hmm. Adam Jones played half a game. And Tommy Shriver was, you know, pretty well banged up for the entire year and missed, missed a bunch of time too. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of feel like even before the draft class, you know, we kind of added five players. And, you know, we haven't really subtracted a lot um, from last year's lineup. No, that's great. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for the time, Jamie, and uh, good luck to the Toronto Rock this upcoming season. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, how's it going, Tanner? How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. First off, congratulations on getting drafted by the Roughnecks. You were drafted fifth overall, their first pick. What was going through your head when you heard your name called by the Roughnecks? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's just sitting there and waiting to hear your name called. And you always grow up uh, trying to play, obviously compete at the highest level possible. And to hear my name called is just a dream come true. And I think I'm, I'm really nothing I'm more excited about for sure than going to Calgary. That's awesome. Have you talked uh, with, with GM, Mike Board, or Coach kind of about what, what kind of your role with the squad is going to look like? Yeah, I think that I have I've spoken to uh, Coach Kurt Miloski yesterday, and he just told me, you know, that he thinks I'm going to be fitting in well and uh, to work uh, with those left guys on the lefty side there on offense. He's uh, he thinks that I'm going to fit in well, so I'm really excited to learn from those guys too, especially because they're some of the best in the game. That's awesome. So let's kind of talk about what went into your decision to head back to Chapel Hill for an extra year and play with the boys one, one more season. What went into that decision? 
obviously I like to play as much lacrosse as I can and and to think that our season last year we were doing really good and I was feeling really good about the squad and we had like it's the first time that I really felt like that we had a, a true brothership on our team so like just having the opportunity to come back I just couldn't pass it up. That's awesome. And and kind of before we, we ask our final question, on draft night, I saw you had a, a Flyers jersey behind you. I wanted to ask where your your I'm a big Flyers guy from Philly. So what uh where did your Flyers up and, and stuff go in? It was uh, basically my dad used to love the Broad Street Bullies back in the okay. day. So that was all all we ever watched growing up was the Philadelphia Flyers. So I was kind of morphed into a Flyers fan. I love it. That's great. That's awesome. And you, you mentioned too, you talked to a few of your future Roughnecks teammates. Have you talked to anybody, you know, any, you know, former uh, UNC guys like Chris Cloutier or a former Whippy teammate like Connor Kiernan? Yeah. I mean, I've talked to them obviously throughout the whole process. They're kind of mm-hmm. walking me through it and helping me along and they've just been reaching out and congratulating like my past teammates for sure. Awesome. Well, Tanner, congratulations again on getting drafted. Uh, best of luck. We look forward to seeing you in the final season at UNC and then eventually making the jump to the pros with the Roughnecks. Thanks a lot. Harrison, congratulations on getting drafted by Calgary. Uh, you are a Calgary native, so I'm sure it's pretty special for you. Uh, Calgary actually traded Tyson Bell to move up to the 14th and 20th pick and took you with the 14th. What was going through your head when you heard your name called? Uh, just honestly, disbelief. Uh, it's obviously a dream to be going back home, playing in your hometown in front of all the people who've grown up kind of watching you. And it's just, it was an unbelievable feeling. That's awesome. And you are returning to, to Stony Brook uh, for one more season, which is awesome. Good, uh, you know, good, be a good experience for you. Uh, several of your Stony Brook, you know, alumni like Kevin Crowley, Challen Rogers, and then one of your former teammates, Rylan Reese are in the league. There's been a, you know, a handful of others too. Uh, have any of them talked to you or reached out to you and uh, given you any advice? Yeah, I mean, all of them kind of reached out. Uh, I lived with Ryland Reese, so I've talked to him really the most. And he just mm-hmm. said, enjoy it. And it's going to be a fun opportunity. And just uh, listen to what the vets have to say and kind of just enjoy the whole experience. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck, you know, with your final season in Stony Brook. And then, uh, you know, eventually with the Calgary Roughnecks. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Appreciate it. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Streaker Sports. Streaker Sports features an array of throwback t-shirts and apparel, including t-shirts of defunct major indoor lacrosse league teams such as the Baltimore Thunder, New York Saints, Syracuse Smash, and Boston Blazers. They also provide custom uniforms and shorts that are perfect for your rep team's upcoming lacrosse tournament or season. Better yet, we've teamed up with Streaker Sports to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit streakersports.com and use the code PLT to save 15% on your order today. All right, so those are the GMs, coaches, and some players and their thoughts on the NLL draft. Uh, very exciting, you know, for players like Harrison and Tanner to get their names called, especially Harrison being, you know, a Calgary native that drafted by the Roughnecks. I think it, it was huge. You could tell the excitement uh, in his voice. Um, and then all these GMs that, you know, a lot of them felt like they, they really landed the players that they wanted. Yeah. I think, you know, of course they're going to say that they had a great draft anyway, but um, I think a lot of them meant it. I think they, you know, you look at Jim Beltman was really surprised at the people that kept falling to their lap and that they felt like they had a great draft. He drafted his son, Chris, uh, which, you know, is really cool for him. Um, Dan Carey made a lot of moves, you know, they didn't draft too many players, only five overall, but they made a lot of moves and acquired three actual 
current NLL players, which I think was big for them going into next season. He talked about how they want to be competitive. Um, but let's get our, you know, your thoughts, Adam, on how this draft went. Let's start with Jeff Teat, number one overall pick. Everyone saw it coming. Generational talent. Uh, you know, he, we're going to have to wait an extra year to see him because he is going back to Cornell. But, uh, you know, how, how excited are you to see Jeff Teat at the next level? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, we, we certainly at Pro Lacrosse Talk were prepared, right? We, you tweeted out uh, you were getting ready for the draft and already had the, the mock-up of, of T going one overall. So well prepared there, Hutton. Uh, but super excited. You know, I, I'm even more excited, not just for Jeff T, but for a guy like Tyson Gibson, who went one overall last year. I'm really excited to see that tandem hit the floor um, come next season. Um, whenever Jeff's done at Cornell. Um, really excited for, for what they're building there. Add, add in a guy like Helm Crawford in, in free agency. Uh, the, the, the tide are rolling for sure. Yeah, and then Orleman is going to be their new goaltender, starting goaltender. I mean, they, they made a lot of moves this offseason. Um, and, yeah, we're certainly excited. We're going to have to wait a year again for Jeff Teat. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to be worth the wait for sure. Um, let's talk about, you know, two guys that win this first round that are actually eligible upcoming season. Uh, Marshall Palace got taken seventh by the Rush, and then Ethan Riggs got taken by the Thunderbirds. Um, these are two guys, you know, young guys that uh, decided to renounce their NCAA eligibility, and they're going to be, you know, heading into the league this upcoming season. It looks like it's going to start in 2021 officially. Um, we're not sure when they'll actually start playing games. You know, again, a lot of it's still up in the air, but uh, this upcoming season, these two guys will be eligible. Uh, anything you see from these two guys that excites you in terms of not only like their skill set, but also in terms of these two teams, the Thunderbirds and the Rush needs. I know, you know, I know a lot of uh, you Saskatoon fans out there were really bummed by uh, the Ben McIntosh trade with the Wings this offseason, um, just by losing such a perennial score uh, on that side. But you, you lose one, and he might be younger, but you add one in Marshall Palace, right? He had 151 points in junior be last year. Uh, I loved watching him in the World Juniors with the Iroquois national team um, in 2019. So, I mean, he, he, he has time to grow, obviously. He's still young, um, but he is going to be uh, a perennial scorer for, for this rush squad uh, in the long run. I'm really, really excited to see him hit the floor um, in Saskatchewan uh, come this season since he gets to play. Yeah, no, and then Riggs, I think adding him, you know, to the Thunderbirds defense is big. Uh, obviously, Graham Hosick reigning uh, defender of the year again um, phenomenal season and uh, you know I, I think it really goes in hand in hand with their whole mentality that unfinished business you know that's been their their hashtag uh, going into this season like they felt like they could have made a run for the title and that got cut short last season um, so I, I think they look to really just you know reload going into the season um, they're one of the teams that are already at the top we'll talk a little bit about the Black Wolves too that may have lost some pieces in the offseason but are you know again looking to just pick up where they left off at the end of this 2020 season. So, uh, you know, Ethan Riggs, I think, is going to be a, a big component of their defense, you know, this upcoming season. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about them adding Tyson Bell in a trade as well. Um, but another thing that stood out to me in this draft in these first two rounds were uh, that we saw some Americans go. You know, Mac O'Keefe's name had been floating around, whether he would go in the first round or not. You know, I know Stamper had him in his mock going uh, in the first round and he ended up going, you know, to the Seals in that uh, 13th pick, um, you know, again, they're going to have to wait another year. He's got another year at Penn state before uh, he will go pro, but uh, you know, he's has some junior B experience, um, you know, played a summer there in the junior 
uh, circuit. And then, you know, obviously he's been a phenomenal scorer at Penn State. Uh, he's going to be ex- super exciting to watch. I think his skill set's going to fit perfectly. Um, you know, I mean, when you have a guy who can score in so many different ways, it, he's going to just add to that team. And I, I think the Seals have proven that they're not afraid to, like, look for those unconventional players. Um, you know, you, you look at a Connor Fields who really excelled, you know, was one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year last season. Um, and, you know, he's a traditional field lacrosse player. So I think it just shows that, you know, Steve Bell with Patrick Merrill, not afraid to take an unconventional approach. And then Charlie Kitchen, you heard from Glenn Clark, uh, you know, he's really high on Charlie Kitchen. Um, again, another guy returning to college at Delaware for another season. But um, it's, it's great to see some of these U.S. players that maybe have minimal experience in the box game, um, you know, really impress these these coaches and, and are doing enough to warrant them a high draft pick. I mean, you know, they, they talked about Glenn Clark talk. He wanted kitchen. Um, they were willing to trade a few of their top picks away to get Jacob Rue. Again, another guy we're going to talk about in a little bit, but uh, kitchen was really their guy that they were eyeing and they were really happy to get him in that second round. And then I love what the swarm did, uh, you know, bolstering that defense, uh, adding Robert Hudson, um, you know, with that pick that they, tra- tra- they acquired by trading away Zed Williams and then Jeff Hein- Heinrich, um, two guys that were projected to possibly go, you know, top five. Um, and they fell, both fell to the swarm. So I, I think that was a big get for them as well. And then, you know, I mentioned Harrison Matsuoka, who you heard from Calgary native. I think there's nothing better than when you see a guy get drafted by his hometown team. Um, so those were kind of my takeaways from the top picks. I know you wanted to talk a little bit too about, there was only five goaltenders taken, which again is kind of a testament to this being a premium position, but what are your thoughts on the goaltenders taken and the goaltender position as a whole in the NLL? Yeah, you know, you mentioned it's a premium position currently. Uh, they kind of, an analyst think there's there's seven guys that, that are in between the pipes that are those premier goalies, and they're looking to kind of build their uh, pen a little bit. And, uh, you know, I the craziest thing uh, throughout the whole draft, you know, Mike Pullen was the guy for the Swarm that was announcing their picks, uh, and, and he announced uh, his potential uh, successor in Cajun, Lane Hruska. So uh, who's supposed to be, uh, as Stamper would say, uh, imagine Bob Watson. And I, and other than my guy, Dallas Elliott, th- those are the two guys when it comes to NLL goal, goaltending that, that are, are, are the legends. So um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's big praise for a guy like Hruska. So, um, but that was pretty crazy to me that, that Pooley was the one to, to announce that. I wish he had been uh, in his uh, TikTok attire and, and <laughs> his uh, his full pads for for those announcements. That, but uh, uh, no, the, I'm excited to see what these goalies do. You know, um, the Mammoth drafted a guy that's super young too. So there, there's a bunch of really exciting goalies uh, coming up through the pipes, and um, it's been a he- heated topic. You know, for how long now that maybe there's not enough goalie skill and and I just don't see that being the case you know I I've watched enough games over the years and and obviously last year there were a lot of guys that were surprising some people so I'm excited to see what these young guns can do Uh, maybe sitting uh, on the bench or some practice squads learning from guys like Dylan Ward Mike Pullen uh, and see where the uh, position progresses going forward and you know the other interesting thing is like you said like people are debating whether there are enough starting goaltenders for this league I doesn't really matter at this point. The league's growing. We've got our 14th yep. team in Fort Worth uh, squad that is coming up. Uh, they're going to announce their, their team name in November. Um, and then they announced that the 15th team is in the queue. So, you know, we're getting two more uh, franchises in the, in the near future. 
Um, but, you know, I, we mentioned some of these trades that happened. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by the Tyson Bell one. And I know, you know, Teddy Jenner couldn't believe the Jacob Rouet one. So let's talk a little bit about this. And, you know, we heard from Glenn Clark talking a little bit about his decision um, that they were looking at Jacob Rouet for years. Like it wasn't just something that yeah. they were looking at, at this year. Like they wanted him for a while um, and they landed him uh, as well as, you know, Charlie Kitchen with that 24th pick. They gave up the 18th pick um, and the 33rd pick to Colorado and Colorado ended up getting Ron John who I'm sure they were itching to get him because a lot of people projected he could have gone in the first round. Um, but talk to me a little bit about some of these trades. The Nighthawks make a lot of moves. You know, we talked to Dan Carey. He, he's big on Matt Gilray. They gave up a lot to get him, but to him, they want to win now, you know, to them only winning two games wasn't acceptable last year. They, they want to be competitive now. And, you know, he made some moves to get three NLL guys, you know, um, around this draft Two two guys that they said they were eyeing for a while in, you know, Jeff Wittick and Matt Gilray. And then John Wagner, he said they wanted for a while, but that kind of came into the fold during the draft. You know, they weren't where they reacquired, reinquired about him and uh, Rip Tyler were willing to make a move. And, you know, you heard from Jim Beltman who said it was a difficult decision, but um, you know, I, we saw a lot of moves, which one do you think is going to have the biggest impact going into the season though? Uh, which trade, I guess, excited you the most? I mean, they're all, exciting for for their own reasons right that you know a, a guy like Jacob Rue is going to go into New England and maybe replace hopefully some of that the output they lost from a guy like Callum Crawford when he signed with the Riptide so they needed to bolster that that offense a little bit more but you know that that was an interesting trade for me at, at, from initial glance it was like wow they got Jacob Rue but if Colorado was really interested um, in uh, pinning a guy like Ron John with another addition they made this offseason in Zed Williams. I'm excited to see what they do. That that trade looks like it could be something that works out really well for both sides. And you mentioned uh, the the Matt Gilray trade with the to the Nighthawks, you know. They they gave up a lot, but they had a, a pretty big pen of picks and um, they they are looking to build on on last year and it wasn't as successful as they wanted to and they wanted to bring in more guys with with a lot of veteran experience and a guy like Matt Gilray obviously uh will do just that so I'm excited to see what these Nighthawks can do when they hit the floor again this season and and I don't expect it to be a two-win team no absolutely and I think you know it kind of shows too Dan Carey was again thinking about this season a lot a lot of these teams that maybe have performed a little bit better than the Nighthawks did last year were content drafting guys that are going back to college for a year and then getting them you know and the you know two seasons from now whereas the Nighthawks they acquired three guys that can you know play for them from the get-go this upcoming season um and I think that was important for them you know they got a guy in Ryan Smith who's going to be great when he comes into the league in two years but he's going back to Robert Morris you know for his extra year so that was who they they got with their third overall pick but he, he made the moves to make sure that they can be competitive next season and uh I think you know there's something to be said about that um, and then again, the Tyson Bell one, I thought blew my mind. I did not know that, you know, that Calgary was going to give up a guy like Tyson Bell, but when Calgary gave him up, you know, I think that's a huge win for the Thunderbirds, but they ended up taking Harrison Matsioka and then Ethan Ticehurst, two transition players that can, you know, hopefully step in and, and kind of fill that void eventually. Uh, again, they're both returning to college for another season, so they're going to have to wait, but, um, they're kind of playing the long game with that. Um, and then, you know, the Thunderbirds get an impact player. Again, and Tyson Bell, unfinished business is is the theme, I think, for that Thunderbirds team. They, Kurt Styers, 
he, he wants to win. He wants to win now. And uh, I think they have the team to do it. So I'm excited to see them going into next season for sure. Um, any sleepers, Adam, in this draft that, that you want to talk about? You know, we saw some more Americans taken later rounds, guys that maybe didn't have box experience, but we think, um, you know, might be able to make an impact in the box game. Uh, any names that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, two names that, that every uh, field fan knows very well, not only just from this past PLL season, but just the record books on the college side uh, are Michael Sowers and Grant Amon, and they both were drafted by the New England Black Wolves. So um, fans, uh, the American fans out there may be tuning in just because uh, they're interested in watching those two guys play uh, on the floor together, which is super exciting. You know, Sowers has – uh, past box experience. Grant Amon doesn't currently, but his stick sills are so phenomenal that I think he transitioned really well um, to the box game. And, you know, a, a lot of fans were curious if the Wings were going to go with Amon. Um, they didn't draft Amon. They did stick with the Penn State side of things, drafted Dylan Folds, and the pick before that drafted Brian Costabile. So um, it's super exciting to see this influx of American talent into the league. Um, and it's just growing year by year. Um, and I'm really excited to to see those two guys in particular. Gosh, if they hit the floor uh, together, you know, we, we talked when we were talking, we had our MLL draft show about the potential uh, with, with um, the Boston Cannons draft. It's pretty similar when it comes to the success rate of those college players. So if Grant Amon and Sowers hit the floor together, watch out, New England fans. Yeah, no, and, you know, New England in this offseason added uh, Brad Smith, and Jules Henningberg as well. So uh, again, Glenn Clark, as he, he mentioned, you know, in the interview, he, he's not afraid to go out and, and find some American talent uh, where, you know, maybe be overlooked. So, uh, you know, kudos for him for that. Um, I really liked Matt Gaudette in the third round going to the Thunderbirds. Again, another guy that can play this season uh, for the Thunderbirds. He's not returning to college. Probably maybe fell a little bit because of the controversy around what he said to Blaze in the PLL, a uh, controversy that we don't think is really a controversy at all. <laughs> um, we've talked about it nauseam about, but I love that pick. Uh, again, the Thunderbirds, you know, they, they, they select some guys that are able to make an impact now. They trade for some guys that are able to make an impact now. Uh, again, uh, sticking with the theme, I, I think they're going to be scary this upcoming season. I think Micah Kersey is going to have a, a really solid squad on his hand not only the guys returning, but the guys that they added this off season. Uh, and I think Audette's going to thrive. You know, he, he has, it took, took a step back from the box game for a little bit uh, during his career at Yale, but perennial scorer probably would have broken the record at Yale for scoring if he would have stayed. Um, if we, they would have had a season this past, past year and uh, you know, did wonders for the Chrome and uh, you know, he gets in people's heads. I mean, they can say whatever they want about his trash talk <laughs> Box lacrosse probably has the most trash talk out of anyone. I, I hope they start micing up those guys. Um, maybe they, maybe that's why they haven't, though, is because uh, we get some more controversy like that. But, um, again, I, I think that was a no-brainer for them, and I think the, the type of mentality that the Thunderbirds have where they, they're, you know, they're a hard-nosed team. Um, you know, Stephen Keogh, like, he loves, you know, showboating after goals, the, the turf swipes. I mean, they, they are fun to watch, and I think Matt Gaudet's going to fit into that group uh, really, really nicely. So kudos to that pick. Uh, Adam, I know, I know you really liked Jacob Patterson too, another late round pick. Talk to me a little bit about him uh, and, and his addition to this league. Yeah, I know, you know, a guy out of Albany is returning for, for a fifth year with them. But, I mean, he's just an absolute producer for that Great Dane squad. He had over 50 points uh, his junior year, almost 50 points his sophomore year. 
and last year he had 20 points in five games. So he just go on YouTube, check out some of Jacob's uh, highlights on there. He's a fantastic player, and I think he's going to be a really awesome addition to the SEAL squad that added a lot of NCAA talent, right? Trey LeClaire, we talked about Mac O'Keefe already. Docs Aiken was drafted by the SEALs too. So, I mean, this SEAL squad uh, is bringing in some awesome talent, maybe not all um, with a ton, a ton in terms of Docs and, and Jacob with the box side of things. But I'm really excited to see um, if he has a chance uh, to break the roster with the SEALs. No, absolutely. And, you know, like another guy that uh, Reese Eddy taken by the Swarm, um, you know, they're hopefully hoping that he can make an impact, you know, be maybe like a Joel White and, and make a solid transition as an LSM now going to the, the box game or whatever on defense. Um, I really like Miles Sova pick as well that the Swarm selected. Uh, I, I really like that pick just because he's a pure goal scorer. Again, like a big body that you can stick in the middle of the floor. Um, if he starts to develop, you know, the two-man game a little bit, it's going to take him some time, but I think he's got the physical presence that he can thrive in the box game if given a chance. Uh, we saw what he did on the outlaws this season. So he's a late round pick that I, I really, really liked. Um, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. I, I really enjoyed this draft. Um, and, you know, I, I think once we get back on the floor, hopefully it'll be early in 2021. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a fun ride again for this upcoming NLL season. Yeah. So that, that wraps up our NLL recap. Uh, you know, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please, you know, subscribe and you know leave us a review if you don't already we're going to be continuing our nll recaps off-season recaps you know the last one we did was with the the warriors our next one will be the calgary roughnecks um you know and we want to just keep the content train going until we do you know have a start date for this season but um very exciting you know again we have the fort worth team coming out so i think that would be a good stepping off point from here guys you know leave us a, a review and let us know what you think the fort worth team should be called uh, the rumors are that they could be called potentially the Herd, uh, the Stampede, or the Panthers. You know, it is Panther City is what Fort Worth is known uh, is their nickname. So let us know what you want them to be called. Maybe you think of another name that it's not one of those three that they should be called. Uh, put it in the reviews. Maybe it'll be featured on our next upcoming podcast. Uh, but we're looking forward to that announcement in November when they announce the team name, logo, and color scheme of that 14th franchise. We'll have to wait another year for them to take the floor, but very, very exciting stuff there. Um, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Smart Backstop. Smart Backstop is different from traditional backstops in that it actually attaches to your net, preventing any missed shots up to four feet high and wide of the net. It can also be easily folded down behind the net for easy storage. Plus, this thing is built to last and is used by some of the top college teams. I'm someone who spent countless hours chasing missed shots in my backyard as a kid, and I wish I had this on my net. It would have saved me a lot of time and money on lost lacrosse balls. The best thing is right now Smart Backstop is giving listeners $20 off their purchase and free shipping. Just use the code PLT at checkout, place your order, and then get practicing.